0: we do a (laughs) pre-show where where we just banter like we're friends or something and come in the middle of an innocuous joke
1: yeah let's just pretend we're friends and then like just completely get this thing over with like right away and go back to like not talking to each other
0: fantastic because you know I'm, i'm the charade i know it's 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 hard man sometimes it just it drains me
1: that is honestly the hardest part about being on this podcast, is, like, pretending to be friends with, like, any of you guys.
0: Yeah, no, oh, I, yeah, I, sure. I, I feel you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the brain-to-mouth filter is, is really getting clogged up.
2: Every second yeah. you guys don't talk about Clone Wars
1: makes me hate you even more. Just wanted to point put,
0: put that oh, out. Oh, good. More Clone Wars shit. Yep,
1: yeah, more Clone Wars talk. Great! <laughs> Speaking of Clone Wars oh, look,
0: Oh, look, is it half past 2005 again?
1: apparently so hey are we meant to be aware of the fact that it's a pre-show or is it like are we are we breaking the the pre-show fourth wall
0: you are we allowed you, to do you, that you, you're supposed to break the pre-show fourth wall after several established episodes of regular pre-show
3: what Just so we've what? already failed at that yeah we already fucked it up so
2: what's a, what's a pre-show
1: did i what is this
3: i've been pre-showing this whole time man
1: why are we recording why didn't you bre- yeah was the whole podcast a pre-show
3: the whole,
0: now the the whole fuck, really every, every episode leading up to this one was a pre-show, all of and
1: it. Now, and now we're about to get onto the real show.
0: Yeah, it's all led up to this. Damn. So, so, Spongy, no pressure, just don't screw up in any way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, because this is the real show, this is what yeah. we, we've been preparing for. Oh, oh, yeah. Alright. <laughs> uh, Anyway, I guess I'll get into it. So, hello and welcome to Castle Fun, the official podcast of the Star Wars Speculation subreddit. I'm Sam, and I'll be hosting this episode today.
0: I'm Vinny, and I look best cell shaded
1: I'm Neilan, and I just talk
2: about Clone Wars and literally nothing else.
3: And Feel the Fire is back.
1: He's back.
2: Hopefully weeks, for
3: good. Weeks away. <laughs> a
1: long hiatus. So let's get into some news from a galaxy far, far away. Um, this is going to be a very TV show-themed episode, as we've got two TV shows to talk about. The Mandalorian. And resistance. But first, let's get into the Mandalorian because we've got some some fairly recent news uh, on that show, and we're all very excited about it. We're all very hyped. Um, So first, first of all, Jon Favreau uh, he leaked like a picture on Instagram, and it was basically uh, I guess a synopsis of the show. Maybe just maybe less more of a description. Um, But it goes as this. So, after the stories of Django and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the tr- travels of one lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. So, what do you guys think of that?
0: I'm not entirely sure it tells us anything. We didn't really already know. Um, I, I, I guess... I think a lot of us were under the impression that it was going to be set on Mandalore and involve the Mandalorian clans, the FETs, the Wrens the, the, uh, and such. And it's, it's not. It's going to be, you know, Bounty Hunter on the fringes. But beyond that, I'm not sure how much it tells us. Um, it, it definitely serves the purpose of getting us hype. Um, it, it acknowledges the fall of the Empire and the existence of the First Order. So, you know, they, they, it's going to be awkward for them to not have this big, clear, evil Nazi uh, allegory. Bad guy to play against, so uh, you know the the writing isn't going to be quite so black and white, which I've I'm very much hyped for. Uh, Sam, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, well, I'm um, personally when I found out that it wasn't going to be so much to do with like the clans of Balin and battling on Mandalore, I was a little bit disappointed. Um, but now after thinking about it, I'm like this could actually be a good premise for a show, if not a little bit. Um, I don't know if I should say predictable, but I think when this show first got announced before the whole Mandalore rumours came into the equation. It was... Most people seem to say that it was going to be set on like the underworld of Star Wars, the, the kind of like seedier locations. So I guess it, it's kind of like a mix of the two things of what people were expecting, I guess, uh, since the Mandalorian leaks or rumours. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, we're definitely going to be seeing the the seedier locations of Star Wars. I mean, that that pretty much goes without saying. Uh, seen as the photos that were leaked from I believe Make Star Wars, um, shows I, I'm I don't know whether it was confirmed, but come on, it, it's Tatooine. Um and the one thing I do find interesting about Tatooine is that the Clone Wars, um I mean despite being you know, most likely being a place for like, you know, unsavory characters anyway, uh, the Clone Wars kind of like delved into that a little bit more when it showed um the b- it was like a common meetup for for bounty hunters. And two other bounty hunters we know that wear Mandalorian armor are obviously Boba Fett and uh, Jango Fett. So I'm wondering if this character is going to be a bounty hunter. Um, he's referred to as a gunfighter, which is quite a um, a west like the, the 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 description that comes to mind is like a gunslinger, which is quite a western uh, a western kind of like term. So I don't know. I mean, how would you guys feel about it being kind of like very western themed? Um, Fuel, what about you?
3: Oh, I'm ready to get weird with it, man. Uh, weird. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, it brings, uh, you know, an element we haven't seen, like you guys said, you know, just not having that authority figure. I think even just that statement alone says, you know, far from the authority of the new republic. Uh, so, you know, that much tells you that it's not, you know, the empire isn't really the threat in this situation. So, uh, you know, I. I, it makes me think back to the old EU books and even just looking, you know, at uh, the recent posting from, uh, from Favre uh, of the Rifle. You know, we're looking back at stuff coming back from the holiday special. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to uh, see how out there they can get, um, you know, not to step on anything, but there's directors, you know, a, a long list of directors. Awesome directors that are set up for the show, so <laughs> you know it's 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 a good time. I think I think uh, I might be picking up that Disney subscription myself, but that's just me.
0: For sure. Well, uh, I mean, we're we're all picking up that Disney subscription and, and watching the <laughs> show through entirely legally means. I, of I course. Why <laughs> How else talking... would we watch it? Exactly. It's, you're talking like there's some other uh, other solution to that. I don't understand. Certainly not. No. I pulled up those pictures you're talking about from making Star Wars, and it it, it screams Western to me. I, I I've seen I've I've been on a decent number of sets, and they've they've assembled one thoroughfare with uh, built up uh, structure faces on either side, just like you would see in a classic Western town where there is a dirt road and there is going to be a duel at high noon, uh, uh, in the middle of the street. So um, the buildings don't quite look like that tan stucco that we see on Tatooine. They look more stonish, like a grey. So I'm desperately, desperately hoping we're not going back to Tatooine. Um and 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 hopefully we aren't. There. Yeah, hopefully we aren't. Um but man, I love the idea of 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 heavy western influences, like a Sergio Leone, uh fistful of dollars um sort of feel. I I, I think we're ready for that. Like like we said in the previous podcast, I, I think we're going to have Resistance, uh, which we'll get to eventually, uh, aimed at the younger audiences. And to balance that, we'll have The Mandalorian, which is aimed for this 20-something, 30-something audience that has money to throw at Netflix and wants more Star Wars that's grown up and aged up with them and a, 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 an edgy, and I, I'm not sure that word gets used properly these days, but an edgier, more mature, uh, a, a spaghetti Western-themed show I could definitely see. Being a very strong product, I, I I'd be all about that. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, I think I know you're not happy the fact that it that it could very well be Tatooine. I'm pretty sure that um that Jawas were confirmed. I could be wrong about that. I, I read that in like a fleeting comment or article or something like that. I just vaguely remember Jawas being confirmed. So if it if that's true, I mean, I, I think it would make sense that it's Tatooine. Uh, I, I I personally, you know, I'm I'm always in favor of seeing new planets over like. Uh, returning planets um, more times than, than not, but I mean, I guess Tatooine of all places. Um, I mean, whatever. Um, it, it'll be cool. I guess it's where the the the, the films t- started. Uh, the film started on Tatooine, so it makes sense for the for the TV show to start there as well. I I guess. Um, Neilan, what do you think about all the Mandalorian information?
2: Well, personally, I'm most like. I'm leaning towards something involving crime. Like, when you have Mandalorians, crime is always involved. So there's, like, personally, I'm thinking this, this uh, Mandalorian dude uh, might, be, might be some sort of mercenary, or maybe he's going to be, like, uh, some type of lone, lone gunslinger, like, trying to fight against the corruption in, like, this town overall i'm expecting something like a much more smaller uh what's the word smaller scaled sort of show because i've noticed john favreau uh tends to work on you know smaller scaled stuff like if you've seen the movie chef or the lion king um so that's kind of what i'm leaning towards i'm not not expecting anything like large scale or huge bombastic just something that's more focused on the
1: characters uh yeah um, yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from there, Uh I think that I, you know, we are going to see something on a small, small scale. Um, hopefully, not too small though, because I'd like to see a little bit more, um, a little bit more outside stuff slowly come into play throughout like the seasons. Because hopefully, it's going to be a multi-season show. Um, I have no doubt. Um, the fact that he is a Mandalorian interests me. I would like to see some some more stuff about him being a Mandalorian. Maybe like season two, we could see him like going home to Mandalore or or maybe like in some of the future seasons or or maybe even in season one. But I, I kind of hope not. I hope I kind of hope that season one is just for like setting up the story, setting up the characters, setting up the main themes of the show. Um but in season two I could definitely see us going to Mandalore at some point. Um because I know that John Favreau voiced Previsla in The Clone Wars. So He knows, he knows about the Mandalorian, like, lore, he knows about it all, so I can see him taking it quite seriously. Um, I don't think we're just gonna get, it's not just, oh, hey, he looks like Boba and Jango Fett, so he's cool, he's like, you know, he's this gunslinger. I think we're gonna get a little bit of, a little bit of information about the Mandalorians. Um, but yeah, uh, Vinny, what, what about you?
0: Well, I was just saying that if, if, if this does happen to be Tatooine, um, what are the odds that we see Cobb Vanth? Um... Cobb Vanth was the guy in Aftermath. Uh, we, we have a brief short story, a vignette of him in possession of Boba Fett's armor, and he's using it to make himself almost like Fallout style the sheriff of this now free town of previous slaves on Tatooine. So if this is on Tatooine, we've got at least one other guy because he's obviously not the Mandalorian, one other guy walking around with Mando armor. What do you think of the odds we run into that or they use that? Well, I'm thinking
1: actually. Now that you mentioned that, maybe he could be. If if Cobb Vanth is like trying to be like the sheriff of this town, right? Would you say that's like correct? Uh, correct, like description of that?
0: Oh, he openly declares himself sheriff of this new town. Yeah, he's he says, yeah, we're, this is Free Town, and I'm the sheriff, and we're we're keeping this place free. It's it's very Firefly Fallout.
1: Yeah, awesome. Because I've never actually read um, the aftermath books. So is he portrayed as like a, a good character? Like, is is he fighting for good?
0: He is fighting for good. He's 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 clearly, you know, more than happy to get his hands dirty. Uh, it kind of portrays him as, as, pre- as having a very dark kind of criminal background. Um, it's not much to him. It, it, in Aftermath, in between the regular chapters, we get little vignettes, kind of snapshots of stuff going on across the galaxy. Hey, hey, what's going on with Mon Mothma these days? And one of them was this little vignette on Tatooine of this guy who had Boba Fett's armor and he'd used it to declare himself sheriff and, and and help these previous slaves on Tatooine.
1: Well, I, I'm just wondering if maybe um, the Mandalorian, you know, the main character of this, the protagonist, if he's going to be working for Cobb Vanth, uh, maybe, you know, being like his, his deputy or something, if, if he is like a gunslinger type of character, he's, he's like working for the law. Um, I don't know, because maybe he's going to be more of, like, a um, like a vigilante, or something like that, you know, fighting fighting for good, but maybe not on the side of the law, seeing as, like, the New Republic um, might be kind of creeping its way into the show. I, I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of people against um, the, seeing the New Republic, and, and any form of, like, First Order, like, uh, start starting up. I've seen a lot of people against that. Um, personally, I'm not. The First Order, yeah, I think it's way too early to see anything of the First Order, just yet. But the New Republic, I would I would like to see, not as like a main theme, but as something more in the background, um, like seeing the New Republic influence slowly, slowly take place across the galaxy, and slowly seeing how it's how it's changing things. I think that would be like really nice world building because we don't really know all that much about the New Republic. I feel like, uh, maybe that's just me because I haven't really read a lot of books in that time period, but, um, I don't know. I mean, like, what do you guys think? Would you would you guys be happy to see like a more Political side to the show, if not like massively political, but just kind of the on the outskirts of it.
2: Usually, I'm a sucker for Star Wars politics. Like uh, most people don't like the politics in the prequels, but I actually kind of like them. But for this kind of show, like I just want to get away from everything we've seen before, and I want a unique kind of genre for a Star Wars piece of media. So. Yeah, I'm hoping that the New Republic just does not come into play at all. I want it to just focus on the, I guess, the criminal underworld, Justice Mandalorian. Forget about the New Republic. Forget about the First Order. Let's have something new and different here.
0: I think it's actually a good opportunity to, because like you said, you haven't read the books. We really haven't seen much of the New Republic. We've seen its beginning. We we saw it, it having kind of false starts and aftermath, like, hey, we're trying to form this, the new Senate here and it's all going wrong. There's terrorism attacks and chandrilla. And we saw how it, obviously we saw how it ended, nice <laughs> and big and bright, um, but we haven't really seen what it was in between those two bookends. Um, so while I definitely wouldn't want it to be an overriding, overwhelming theme, I, I would certainly want it to exist. I, I'd like to at least get that little bit of world building And I think there's also a very good opportunity to turn the thing on its head. If the Mandalorian is this rogue guy and everyone he works with is rogue guys and everyone lives on the fringe, they could very easily paint the New Republic as oppressive and unwanted and unwelcome as well. I mean, you know, these are people, hey, we're free from the empire, we're trying to live our lives. Oh, wait, no, the new republic is just another government. So they could turn it on its head and portray the new republic as oppressive and, and, and not quite evil, but uh, definitely a bad force. Um, and That'd be pretty interesting.
3: Exactly. That's what I, that's what I mean by, you know, even in, in the way they phrased it, you know, far from the authority of the new republic, that would suggest that that's who they view, you know. Obviously, <laughs> as the authority figure, so um, with that in mind, it's it's sort of a different, uh, as you said, you know, it kind of flips it on its head there. Um, but uh, I was gonna, I, I sort of have a question. I mean, uh, have we heard anything about uh, who uh, we heard Pedro Pascal? I think was a rumor going around about a possible lead for the show. Um, have we heard anything else since then?
1: No, not really, to my knowledge. Um... Pedro Pascal stuff. Although, as much as I'd love to see him in The Mandalorian, um, I, I think he was. It was confirmed that he wouldn't be in it, right? If I'm not mistaken.
0: Well, I, conf- confirmed is a strong word. His agent denied it, but agents mm. deny stuff all the time. So uh, you know, who knows?
1: Yeah, and we've had a lot of we've had a lot of rumors like around the show. So it would. I I don't want to say that Pedro is in it, but it would be nice to see him in it. And yeah, so maybe don't take that as like legit confirmation. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, just just agents being agents, I suppose, but um, we'll see, I guess. Uh, but no, as far as, like, an official confirmation on the cast, or, or even any rumours aside from Pedro Pascal, there's really been nothing, which I find quite quite strange, actually, seeing as there's, like, the, the filming's obviously started, and, you know, there's, there's leaked photos and stuff, so it, it's strange that, that we haven't seen any casting yet, but we'll see, I guess, we'll see.
0: I mean, it, uh, it's it's impressive in this era that they've been able to keep that much uh, information about the actors and such under wraps, to be honest. Completely, yeah. Completely. Uh, well, it, it's uh, surprising.
3: Yeah. yeah, what we do have is some information on the directors. Um, yes, we do. A pretty actually, yeah. impressive list of directors, actually. Hmm. I don't know if you want to go over it.
1: Yeah, who, who are the directors, feel?
3: It uh, looks like <laughs> uh-huh. we've got Dave Filoni. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's uh, pretty um, popular well, in the Star Wars. Never heard of him. Never I've heard of him. So did he? Uh, you no, know, he did that one cartoon that sucks. What is that?
1: Oh, I was trying the Last Airbender. He he worked on that the first yeah, season. Yeah, that's,
3: that. that's it. That's
1: Terrible. Oh yeah, that's such a terrible show. Yeah, definitely terribly written. I think he has done some small small work for Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Um, you guys may have heard of them. I don't know if, if, if you're into that no sort idea. of stuff, but okay. Well, uh, forget it then. I'm more into the holiday special. Yeah, uh, I think as as is everyone,
0: more, more uh, of a battle no. for Endor, Ewok movie kind of guy.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that that that's where the real talent talent lies. Uh,
3: yeah, no, it, it, yeah, I'm excited. I, I think it uh, again. This is just you know that's the first name on the list, but um, you know a familiar face, but. You know, uh, an opportunity to get something sort of fresh and different, and uh, I think also his first jump into live action uh, yeah. aside from cartoons. So it should be interesting to see how his you know vision translates to film. Well,
1: I'm wondering if this was kind of done intentionally because I know that there's been a lot of like talk from the fans of of Dave Filoni. They want to see him do a live action show because obviously they like the work that he's done on Rebels and Clone Wars. So it makes sense for like if it makes sense to them to be like hey you know this guy does a good job on these cartoons let's see him do a live action show um so maybe disney are kind of or lucasfilm are looking into it and being like hey if you can handle you know a smaller scale production such as like a tv show something that you're already like familiar with the the structure and the format and then if you do well with that then maybe we could give you a, a film uh instead of just giving him a, a you know a film to work on right away uh Neyland.
0: Well, I
2: just wanted to add this. So I've seen like dozens and dozens of Dave Filoni interviews. And, uh, so what I've found out is that basically, yeah, I think everyone knows he worked closely with George Lucas and he knows, he knows George's, um, version. Like he knows what George wants the Mandalorian story to be. Like, like, uh, George's vision of Mandalore is much different than what we, than what, um, the expanded universe did. And I think, um, it's, I think it's really telling that he's an ex- executive producer for The Mandalorian, because like everyone at Lucasfilm knows that Dave Filoni learned what George's vision of Mandalore was, and that he's going to put that to work in the show. So I'm wondering if the episodes that Dave Filoni is directing are ones that are going to go specifically into Mandalore, um, its backstory and culture and how it is in current day.
1: Um, yeah, you you say that about like Dave Filoni knowing George's um, plans for like the uh, Mandalorians and Mandalore and all that good stuff. Um, however, when we when we look at Rebels, um, there seems to be a lot of like retconning in terms of like what we saw in Clone Wars. Um, I don't I don't know. Like it's obviously not going straight to what Legends did, because obviously it was it, it was still quite different. But it it seems more towards that kind of uh, that kind of culture. Whereas the Clone Wars stuff, which was all obviously directly George Lucas, very, very different. Um, and Rebels does not seem to be following that so much. It seems to be following much closer to Legends stuff. So, I don't know. What about you, Vinny? What what do you think about it all?
0: I, I, you're completely right. Um, most of the content in the original canon for The Mandalorians was built out by an author named Karen Travis. And um, her vision of Mandalore is very, very similar to what we got in rebels the the clan the warring untrusting clans in their huts in in not nearly as as an urban built-up environment uh clone wars is a depiction of of mandalore which i think we discussed before which i I feel is like a a light a diet coruscant is not even close it's it's as far as possible from the this mongolian warrior culture the mandalorian so yeah I, i think what rebels did with it is much much closer to the old canon and um if 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 Lucas's vision uh, for the Mandalorians is not uh, what we got in uh, in the old canon in the old Karen Travis books, then it's not what we got in Rebels either. So there's there's some inconsistency going on there for sure.
1: However, I will say that you know, canon by and large being taken quite seriously these days. You know, in trying to keep consistent to it uh, by most, for most at least. part, yeah, by <laughs> most, uh, bar a few. Um, it seems to be the, you know, I don't think they're going to, like, throw everything George Lucas uh, did for Mandalore out the window. Darn. It seems... <laughs> it does seem to be... It's hard to explain, but the Rebels' Mandalore seems to be, like, a, a deliberate contrast to what George Lucas set up. Um, Very purposefully, like, it's like, hey, you know, this is Mandalore, this isn't what we are, we're not, like, a peaceful culture, we're, we're a culture of warriors, and, and, you know, and all that stuff. So, I, I think that it... Maybe the stuff that George Lucas um, did do for Mandalore will be mentioned. It won't be completely thrown out the window in this new series. It will just be like, yeah, we went through an era of peace. We don't, we didn't like it. Uh, we like the clans. We like the battles. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see like a conflict of of those two uh, two sides.
0: Well, Neil, uh, tell me in Clone Wars, doesn't uh, Satine? specifically say hey we we're trying this new peace thing we're we're attempting to be more organized and more civil and political about things and it's not really working out doesn't she say something along those lines at some point
2: oh yeah she talks about that like multiple times in the show um i and also like i'm gonna say that i think the clan thing is like yeah i don't think george ever intended for there to be clans at all but i don't think it was ever specifically said in the clone wars that there couldn't be clans before because I remember people in, uh, on Mandalore uh, said that, like, all of the warriors were exiled, like, long ago. So you can easily just, like, explain the clans in Rebels as just being exiled warriors. So,
1: yeah. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense, because they're not actually, like, on Mandalore, are they? The, the stuff that's in Rebels isn't actually Mandalore. It is on, like, distant moons and yeah. planets. So, so Concord
0: Dawn, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know if that was like, you know, maybe that's where they were exiled to. Um so yeah, I guess maybe we could see a difference. Maybe we could see some some of those exile warriors actually returning to Mandalore. I don't know. That's just all speculation and and, and all that, but who knows? I mean, I certainly would like to see to see that stuff like because I think that the Mandalorian culture was almost quite like medieval or ancient um and then maybe Satine was like she was like, "Let's get involved with like current society, guys. You know, this is this is getting stupid. Let's let's try and like move with the times." And then the rest of the Mandalorians were like, "No, that's <laughs> that's 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 not how we do things. That's not how we like to do things. We are we're our own people. We we need to be this way. This is how we how we do things." So we could see like I, I would really like I I don't think we saw enough of that conflict in Clone Wars. I know we had we had Death Watch, but Death Watch were like a terrorist group. And it wasn't, it it seemed like they were the ones that were saying, no, screw this. And the rest of the Mandalorians were completely fine with, like, what was going on with their world. And they were like, yeah, this is cool, this is cool, this is fine. Whereas I would like to see a bit more of, like, a a mixed kind of, um, a mixed, um, reaction or, or whatever to, to the, to that. So we'll see, we'll see. Hopefully we get that in the show. I
2: think, um, I, well, yeah. And also, I think they could actually go back and do that in the new Clone Wars episodes because we're we're getting the Siege of Mandalore story arc that's that's like that's like our final opportunity to show that conflict so I think there's still a chance
0: Mm, definitely Uh, just just real quick a question for you guys um how much personally to you guys does Dave Filoni directing the first episode uh increase the chances of Ahsoka either getting appearing live action or heavily name-dropped
1: well, she's already quite tied to Mandalore at the moment, anyway. That's obviously what I'm not... thinking with
0: season seven mm. coming out. Yeah.
1: Well, it's not. It's not even just so much season seven. I mean, that that aside, uh, at the end of Rebels, she was seen, you know, flying off with um, Sabine, who is obviously quite a important figure on Mandalore now. So I don't know. I think that I think that yeah. I I whether or not we see her in the show in season one, um, because it's not a, a Dave Filoni seems to have his own like mini kind of continuity if that makes sense so to be honest with you i'd find it more more likely she'll be on resistance um which i know maybe some people won't like but than uh mandalore i don't know or the mandalorian because that seems like more like actually what dave filoni's working on rather than just helping out with the show and directing a few episodes and and stuff So I don't know, I don't know, but it it would make sense for Ahsoka to be either heavily name-dropped or actually make an appearance in.
3: Yeah, I personally, I would like it if um, this were sort of detached from, honestly, from all of the sort of uh, main saga. Um, uh, I I know we have, obviously, the same director, and this is maybe perhaps uh, an opportunity for him to sort of step in a new direction, Uh, try something new, you know what I mean? Definitely,
1: yeah, I definitely agree. What about you, Neilan the the Clone Wars expert, the Clone Wars enthusiast of this podcast? Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking not at all. We're not going to get a single reference to her whatsoever,
2: um, and I'm okay. actually I'm o- I'm okay with that because, like I said, I want to move away from all the things that we've seen before and go back,
0: to, go to something new.
2: But I mean, like, I guess I could see like
0: you mean like Tatooine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs>
3: A fresh take on Tatooine is what I'm really, you know. I think we're all we've all been waiting for. It oh and yeah, it's no. about time. Oh man, it's I'm, I'm about clawing time. at the
0: Tatooine posters on my wall. My Mos Was- Espa postcards. Oh yeah, man.
1: I mean, that's that's the cool thing about Star Wars is you can go back to, you can go back to the same things and put a different spin on it. Just because you're going back to like familiar things doesn't mean you can't change it up a bit. So even though we are seeing Tatooine again, most likely. We can still do cool things with it. We can still see a little bit more insight into the world, you know, like the the, the kind of um, the the more crime related parts to it, you know. So I don't know. We'll we'll see, I guess. But um,
3: more yeah. aliens, please. More aliens. More aliens.
1: Plenty more aliens.
3: Um. So uh, then, looking at the rest of the directors we have here, we also have uh, Deborah Chow is uh, also confirmed she directed a episode of uh Jessica Jones as i understand it and also an episode of Better Call Saul. Oh. Um so, you know, that's a that's a good start for me. Um Yeah. Both good shows. I don't know if you guys caught them at all, but I'm, um, I'm
0: huge fans of both of those series same, and, and yeah, that's same. that's massive credibility to me. I I am yeah. stoked.
3: Right? Um and uh so then we also have uh Rick I hope I pronounce this right F- uh, Fami Yuma, Fami Yua.
1: Sounds good uh, to me. Rick
3: Famuyiwa uh who directed uh The Wood and Dope. I don't know if you guys caught those. Uh they were yeah, I thought they were pretty good. Um smaller dope, sort of was, Sorry, go on. No, go ahead.
1: I was just saying it was dope that documentary.
3: Uh no, Dope was uh it was more of like a <laughs> like a suburb sort of film uh California. Oh, okay. Yeah, it it, it was uh, but what it was, was a smaller sort of
0: Go ahead. I was just going to say it was that 90s film um about the 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 kid uh like it was heavily 90s i i I think i know where you got the impression it was documentary because it was loosely based on a rapper's uh life growing up i just can't remember who um i'll I'll, I'll, let me look it up real quick because i I think i know what you're talking about
3: yeah but um they were uh both sort of smaller films sort of more introspective um just smaller uh you know, not action. So I think okay. that's the biggest thing that stands out to me. You know, they're they're not like action films. They're not, uh, I think even going back to uh, the previous director, Jessica Jones and Better Call Saul, both shows that aren't really heavy on action.
1: It's all about character development, really. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. Better Call so... Saul, you know, that's, that's very heavy on the character development. So right, interesting
3: exactly. Me. So um, it, it should be interesting to see sort of what direction, even looking, again, going back to Jon Favreau. Uh, who you have a director who's sort of I mean I know he's producing but you also have a director who's very uh, I don't know what the word would say what what, what words to use for it but it's uh, more introspective perhaps
0: hmm more more textured for sure i mean the the, the character development
3: more nuance yeah Yeah.
0: that's a great word for it because that's what Uh, you get a lot out of a better call Saul is those long drawn out shots where at first it looks like nothing's happening and then you look a little bit deeper and there's a lot of character development happening right exactly yeah
3: just name dropping pretty much bryce dallas howard will be uh, directing as well and uh then we also have another director that you guys may have heard of uh taika waititi uh will be directing as well uh, who directed Thor Ragnarok and, and also uh, what, what, what we do in, the in Shadows, shadows yes. and, uh, and yeah just uh, an interesting and bright talent to bring to the bring to the table so
1: the, the one thing I did notice about you know uh, you know uh, how do I t- 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 how do I pronounce his name
3: Taika
0: Waititi
1: Ta- Taika Waititi the one thing I did notice about him um, his directed style in Thor Ragnarok was it was it was very heavy on the comical side you know there was a lot of a lot of comedy in that, so maybe we will see some like more comical episodes. I don't want to like just, I don't want to typecast him into like certain styles of directing, but uh, I don't know. We'll hopefully get some some more comedic stuff and and good comedic stuff.
0: There's um, he also did uh, a film called Hunt for the Wilder People, and if you haven't seen that or listeners you haven't seen that, please go out and see it immediately. It's 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 funny, it's touching, it's exceptionally directed. It's um it's incredibly underrated hunt for the wilder people is really really good and i i think again we were talking about that nuance and that humanity and yes there is definitely some comedic there and some some kind of breaking up the tension marvel i hate that we're calling it that now but marvel style humor yeah. um but you know there's some real heart and soul to it and i i, I think he'll be bringing that to uh, the mandalorian
1: and i'll be perfectly happy to see that yeah definitely
3: and i'm hoping he brings the weird
1: Oh, he'll definitely bring the weird. Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: We love the weird. We love the weird Star Wars stuff. Um, But I think that pretty much wraps it up for the Mandalorian talk. Um, Just some cool news. Uh, Hopefully, you know, we we do get more over the upcoming months, as I'm sure we will. We kind of have to. So, you know, if you want to see that, um, subscribe to Disney's uh, subscription service, and uh, I'm sure you can watch all the episodes there. Uh, but now on to, to the other show, the other Star Wars show currently airing. Um Resistance. Resistance dropped, finally. Uh long awaited. Um so yeah, I mean I guess we're gonna go over our impressions of resistance. Uh Neilan hasn't actually watched it yet, so we're gonna be giving him our first impressions and just seeing if he thinks the show is worth checking out. Um but Vinny, why don't you go first?
0: Uh I've got I've got a pretty large slew of notes here broken up by episodes Um, so in kind of in chronological order as i was going along watching it taking notes Um, now i i'm a big fan of ship porn i'm all about the ships i love the fighters Um, i was very very excited to see the new T-85 X-Wings, which is, we, we've hinted at that in the comics, that the New Republic is working with the latest and greatest tech, and the Resistance, despite having newer X-Wings, the T-70s, than what we saw in the original trilogy, was still older tech by that time. So it was cool to see the latest and greatest from the New Republic, and just the New Republic in general. You know, seeing that logo on the wing was exciting to me, actually getting that context. Um So they suck me in, you know, with that original, with that first uh, shot of them getting chased by this Red Baron type character from the First Order who also has a new ship, a First Order, TIE Interceptor, curved wings, different wings. So finally, I've been whining for a very long time that the First Order needs new ships. We've just been getting TIE Fighters and TIE Fighters with a little bit of red on them. They heard
3: you, man. They heard
0: me! (laughs) I I got on the phone with with Kennedy. I said, you put this in here or I'm going to write a sternly written letter. Um... (laughs) But uh, it, after that, uh, it's pretty cool. There's a little bit of fan service. We get into the tanty Four, which is just like, yeah, this was at Scarif. And I'm just like, all right, there's, there's my fan wankery. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> um, one thing I did notice, and we talked about this in the past podcast, is uh, we have a brief moment of Leia on a hologram talking to Poe. And Leia doesn't say anything. She just kind of looks knowingly at Poe. They look back. And then the scene cuts away. Now, we do have a confirmed voice actress for Leia. So and and she fell into some very hot water recently by tweeting some politi- some pretty pretty vicious stuff about uh, what was going on with the Kavanaugh hearings and, and rape allegations and um, I wouldn't be surprised if we she we were supposed to get some spoken voice lines from Leia there between her and Poe and they cut them out entirely. Um, that's that's the vibe I got that they cut her scenes um, probably because of that. Um, I like Colossus the I, I the the floating spaceship port um it, it, it to me it's almost like a nar Shada, but instead of built around an economy of bounty hunters it's built around an economy of pilots um but then immediately i was taken out of it again because uh it, it, they they hyped the scene up multiple times in the trailer throwing the guy off the edge and being like ah it's a brutal world and here man you got to keep on your toes well in the show they go out of their way to make sure that you hear him hit the water so it's not an on-screen kill They go out of their way to go, don't worry, guys, he's
3: okay.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. Falling falling into the water from that height, I think that's pretty much concrete.
3: Well, At least he got a really bad belly burn. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, vicious, brutal, man. T for teen. But, um... So it it, it kind of took me out of it. And then immediately after that, there, well, fairly soon after that, there's a bar fight, but the bar fight, no weapons get drawn and a bunch of bottles get thrown around, but the bottles are plastic. Like there's no classic bottle breaking or anything like that. It just ends up looking like a food fight. So right out of the gate, I'm feeling, okay, this is clearly aimed at a much younger audience. This is kind of what we were afraid of um and then there's a lot of physical comedy just so much physical comedy arms flailing everywhere people smacking into posts and tripping and falling and eyebrows flailing everywhere like it's a dreamworks production and um and 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 to go along with that the soundtrack anytime there was a comedic scene there's just like honestly it felt like danny elfman like it was just so <laughs> overwhelming this comedic soundtrack i just oh man chill out okay we got it (laughs) we get it we're supposed to be laughing now wait yep okay all right um and 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 that that pretty much got me through um uh you know season two or episode two i mean and there was more shout outs i'm sure you saw the sheath shuttle at the start from rebels the the phantom two um and so you know hey shout out to rebels um uh, yeah, more over-the-top comedy. Uh, it, it, it really slowed down with episode two. Episode one at least had that hook, but uh, episode two it just really slowed down. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll back off a little bit now because I, I want to talk more about the character's motivation. But I'm sure you guys have have some stronger impressions to balance this out.
1: Um, yeah, I, I certainly have a bit more of a positive take on the show. Um, I wasn't quite as uh, enamored with it as some people in the community I've seen. Some people were like, I love the show, this is great, you know, I, I'm loving it so far. For me, I thought it was okay. Uh, I think it has a lot of potential. I like some of the seeds that are planted. I think that it has a good, a good, solid start up for, for a good show to take form. Uh, however, you know, out of the episodes we got, I still didn't really get, like, massively pumped. I'm not, like, super excited for the next episode. I guess I'm looking forward to it, but uh for the most part i'll I'll see it when I see it i guess um yeah, I don't think it's its introduction was as strong as rebels i I really liked you know I know a lot of people give rebels some flack, you know especially the the first season uh however, I, I actually really did like the first season of rebels, despite like a few maybe like weaker episodes here and there, but I think for the most part, I think the first season of rebels was really strong, and that first episode was just. It was just great for me, uh, you know, it, from from start to finish. I feel like it really set up Ezra, um, as as a main character. I really like you. You could you could definitely see clearly where where his character art was heading, and you know, uh, it it set up like his 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 loneliness at home and and all that all that kind of character development and arc that taking form. You know, again with like Kanan, uh, being like the, the the former Jedi and and all that all that sort of like great. Great stuff that, that you know we knew we were going to get in the future. Um, rebel uh, resistance. I didn't really quite get that. I, it's it's resistance. I felt kind of like threw me into the action very very quickly. Um, you know, instantly we open up to to a space a space dogfight between Kaz and this First Order uh, red interceptor, who I believe his name is Major Ulric. Uh, I can't quite remember his second name. Um, I'll remember that at some point, but. Yeah, so and then Poe comes to save the day, and it's all very action-heavy. And then, hey, uh, Kaz, you know, let's let's go into this. um, Let's, you know, you you've been invited to this mission. You know, go ahead. You know, we've you've got what we need. Just uh, go for it. And then he has a quick call with his dad, and and he's he's thrown into the Colossus, and it just uh, I don't know. It just felt a little bit rushed to me. I would have liked to have seen uh, something a little bit more slowed down, but I get, and I and I think that is a symptom of it being aimed at a much younger audience, where maybe they they feel like the kids won't have as long a, a, of an attention span as, like, you know, some of the audio audience do, which isn't, you know, it isn't a bad thing. It knows what it is, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure maybe the younger kids would appreciate the the quick pace more than, than maybe, like, the slower build-up, but, you know, comparing it to Rebels, which, in my opinion, had a really strong First episode, I don't think we got quite the same thing, um, and I think the episodes two and three felt weaker to me than the first episode. So I don't know. I mean, I wasn't like as interested in like the individual plots of the episodes. Um, Rebel season four had like a really good thing going for it, where it was like it felt like it was following like a, a really long narrative, and I th- I'm I'm kind of sad that. We're not getting that. They're not following on with that tradition with resistance. That's kind of what I was hoping for—a bit more of like a a serialized story. But you know, sadly, we didn't get that. But overall, I think it's a good show. It has uh, good starting foundations, and I am I am interested in seeing where it goes. Um, what about you? What about you, Fuel? What were your impressions?
3: Um, I thought uh no i i i really enjoyed it um i think kind of going to it uh, was quite a while ago but <laughs> going back to what uh, vinnie was saying um i think uh this may be the first show that sort of feels sort of in that in between of uh, disney and star wars sort of that medium place um and you know that it's interesting but uh but at the same time i like sort of disney productions as it is so to me it sort of feels natural um you know it, it is in a different setting and you're you know you don't have a lot of of the force characters and such but um it's um it's a you know it's just the setting itself just lends itself to sort of you know something different um away from everything although you you know obviously you have uh it, it was cool to see you know Oscar Isaac playing Poe um if you guys caught are caught up you know then you'll see uh, gwendolyn Christie uh reprising her role as Phasma as well which is good for the character there i think uh you know build out some more of the mystique that was missing again from the other film so hopefully once you know, all the productions done will have a complete picture of who this person was that we uh, lost uh, so many times in the sequel trilogy. Huh. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I really liked it. I think the setting itself, um, you know, I, it was obviously it is a kid's show. Um, we, that much should be said. Um, so, you know, it, there is a lot of slapstick humor um, I think the reactions to uh, or Kaz, if, you, if anybody caught the first episode, sort of when he's getting, you know, sort of knocked out or punched or whatever, you look at his face, that's pure Disney. That's 100% Disney. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's interesting seeing the blend, but uh, I don't think it's, you know, it's not a bad thing. Obviously, the more Star Wars we can get, the greater. And, and again, to me, the setting is the most interesting thing of the show. Um, we're out on the Colossus, right? Uh, a racing community. Uh, the way they introduce the new characters as, you know, sort of the hotshot pilots around, without without actually having everybody sort of walk up and be like, "Hey, I'm this guy," or "I'm, you know, I'm that guy," or, or you know, whatever. Uh, they they're just introduced sort of organically uh, as, as, you know, the the racers, and you kind of see them in in the ambiance, you know flying around and such so uh, i got as i was watching it it sort of took me back to uh being a kid sort of that imagination of you know uh these characters sort of out in the star wars galaxy they've got their ship they need to maintain it you know what i mean they need to build it up they're trying to make their own sort of path in the galaxy right um obviously they're all racers but again just sort of the that independence you get from you know being out in the Star Wars galaxy at, you know even playing like a Star Wars Galaxies back in the day where you got your ship and you need to build up you know he he started with sort of a crummy ship and I imagine later on he'll get a a cooler ship and whatnot and so imagining so imagining that kind of stuff for me is really neat um but uh, yeah. I, yeah I'm definitely
1: in agreement with you about like the setting I think the setting it's, it's very like um I don't know I, I I do find it quite imaginative maybe it's not like completely new you know there have been other other things that have done it in the past other other films and stories that have done this kind of thing in the past uh however i do I do like the setting uh once you take off the kind of the 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 kiddie like exterior the colorful exterior to it, it is actually quite a dark setting um you know that it's people kind of like struggling to get by. Uh, they're basically forced to race if they want to, like, have any shot at, like, a decent life and live in, I think it's, like, Dozer Tower, I think they call it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems pretty... Although, yes, there is that kind of, like, kitty exterior to it, so it doesn't look too bad. Um, I do think that, you know, once you take away that kind of, like, layer to it, you, you kind of see that it, it is actually... Um, oh, it, maybe it's... not the nicest place to live.
3: It's well it's well dark, man. Uh, the female uh, Unkar Plunt, the uh, plot uh, woman was taking bets on who would squish Kaz's head first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so, that's you know, pretty I mean, hardcore.
1: Yeah, definitely. And luckily, you know, with with his plot armor, he managed to uh, escape that fate. Um, I, 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 to be honest with you, I one thing I really do like about the show, and I'm really hoping it's gonna, um, you know, be a constant, constant uh, cause for discussion, is this first order spy. Uh, this First Order spy that that Kaz... I mean, that's the whole point of Kaz's mission, right? To to look for this spy. And I'm so hoping, I am hoping with every fiber in my being, that they don't make it super obvious and like, you know, obviously because it it is a kid show and I'm really hoping, you know, they they don't make it like, this guy, he's like talking all the shade about the New Republic, he's clearly not a nice character, and then they just, you know, say hey, it's, uh, this is is the First Order guy and no one's surprised and even the kids are like, well, well like, no shit. Um, so I'm hoping that it's someone that's going to have a lot of emotional impact for Kaz, and I have my own theories on that, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk about that later. But um, what about you, Vinny? What do you think of the setting?
0: Um, the Colossus, uh, d- to be fir- first off, I really I didn't get that sense of, of danger and, and, and horrible livelihood that, that you guys did. I know they, they mentioned it, it's told to us, but one of, one of the number one rules of writing is show, don't tell. It's, right. it's a visual medium and other than a few comments i i didn't really get that sense at all um everyone seemed to be eating everyone seemed to have money and walking around we didn't get shots of any sort of like slums or slum living we we didn't and and there was no sense of danger there was there was utterly no sense of danger um again the guy falling in the water the uh their the the ships constantly catching fire and exploding and no one being hurt um, you know, that, that scene where he gets uh, shot, it, I don't know if you remember, but when the pirates start doing those strafing runs on the Colossus, and Kaz starts getting bounced around, it's, it's, it's almost like the, the shots are made of air. All they do is just bounce him further away with every shot, like he literally can't be hurt by the lasers and the fire. I get plot armor, but it was just, I, I heard Benny Hill playing in the background while right, watching right. that. And it ends with him flying out and landing onto the cockpit of this fighter that's going at about 600 miles an hour, about three and a half miles offshore. And I'm just like, okay, all right, it's, yep, it's a cartoon, that's fine. But I, I, I got utterly no sense of danger at all and no sense of, of risk. At no point did I feel like the hero was was in any sort of threat. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, it, one of the other things is for me is the Colossus, they I feel like they screwed themselves with the design a little bit. Because when you're when you're telling a visual motion, uh, you know, a, a story uh, like a race or a dog fight, you have to have reference. You, you have no sense of speed if you have no reference. It doesn't matter if you're going 8 million miles an hour. If it's on a black background, like in space, and there's nothing moving behind you, you get no sense of movement. You get no sense of motion or speed. Um, so that's why a dogfight in space is just boring, because they're just moving around. You have, no one, you have no idea of where everyone is relative to each other. That's why, like, say, asteroids or debris or something it it, it makes it understandable it makes it relevant it can give you an idea of where everyone is relative to everyone else how fast the fighters are moving what kind of danger they're in and the colossus is in the middle of nowhere it's a whole bunch of open space it's just sky for miles so i kept watching these these races with the potential for dogfights by the way someone shot one of the other racers which i thought was pretty cool um and and i just i couldn't get a sense of their speed i couldn't get a sense of where everyone else was and position to everyone else, how far along they were in the track, because they, they, the design has no reference material, there's no background, there's nothing to be speeding past, there's no buildings, there's no anything. And I, I think that really took away from what could have been one of the better parts of the show, which are these races, you know, which are these, these, and hopefully dog fights. Um, Sam, I mean, how far off base do you think I am here?
1: No, to be honest with you, I think you come up with a very good point. I think visually, the set, although I think thematically and like the stuff going on about it, I am quite interested in, in the setting of the Colossus. It, it, it is an interesting place, in my opinion. But I think visually, there's not really got. It's not really got a lot of stuff going for it. It's these kind of. It's set in the middle of an ocean, so instantly you've got you know not a lot of interesting imagery there, and then it's just this this metal um construct and it it just it looks very very boring i i feel like um it's got some cool stuff like going on inside you know you've got the bar and you know the the kind of like streets outside that are obviously all made of metal and and you know as far as that goes yeah that that's kind of interesting but but yeah like when you're in the races and they're literally just flying around these these rings flying through these rings for me it's not it's not doing a lot for me. I think you're right. I think that when, when a show is all about races and then you've got such a boring setting for the races to actually take place, that's a massive drawback. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, what about you feel? What do you think? Do you, do you visually um, the setting? What do you think?
3: Well, um, I think it's, uh, it's still a young show. Uh, we're just mm. getting started and, uh, I would point you guys to one key piece of evidence, uh, Uh, or one one key thing that would sort of suggest that the story is going to take you know the characters places beyond sort of where we're at is that the show is called star wars resistance right um so i wouldn't anticipate that you know a lot of the sort of large arcs of the of the story are going to take place on this small sort of uh, island uh, of metal um, it'll, it'll probably be, you know, having them, you know, having them go off and doing missions in, in some, you know, and at other locations. And maybe this is sort of their home base and their cover I... for, for what they're doing. You know, this is their job, right? Uh, they're, sure. they're, they're nine to five and then they're sort of moonlighting as resistance members. I'm just,
1: I'm just worried because at the moment we only really have one resistance member, which is Kaz. So it's just Kaz being on the resistance and he's, and his goal is to try and find this first order spy. And um, we saw in Rebels, and I know a lot of people got a little bit annoyed with it on Rebels, where the whole entire first season literally only takes place on Lothal, and a lot of people were getting very bored of Lothal, and they wanted to see something more because it's set in this massive galaxy with a lot of cool places. And I'm just worried that I think, and I do think that the first season, by and large, is going to take place completely on Colossus, and yeah, I'm I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm I'm, I'm worried that I might get bored with that setting pretty fast. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully, we do actually get some more sense, especially with like the First Order coming into play. But then you've even got like the First Order are, like hiring pirates, so we're not even going to get them clashing with the First Order right away, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I just think that it it might take a little while for the show to actually fully kick off to its to its full potential in terms of like resistance, what it's named after you know resistance. So I don't know, uh, Vinny.
0: No, and and that's that's perfectly reasonable in in that. Both Rebels and Clone Wars also took quite some time to get off the ground. I mean, on when I re-watch uh, Clone Wars, I regularly skip the first, if not first two seasons, just because they're really, for me, weak in both pacing and storytelling and Ooh, art. Oh. Um, huh. So, yeah, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect the show to get uh, stronger. There's a lot of potential here. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I think it could get a lot better, and I'm expecting it to get a lot better. That's pretty typical Dave Filoni that you know you gotta start out. He starts out a little bit slow. He doesn't um he doesn't tend to grab you in the first season or so.
1: He doesn't play all his cards at once. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: that's a nicer way to put it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think that is is that necessary. I know no. I've, it's very rare a show's first season is like outstanding and and you know the best one. And and generally when that is the case, the the following seasons are never that great. But I don't know. Like he's done, you know. It's like his third show for Star Wars. Like,
3: it's also
0: he you also got to remember he's working on season seven of Clone Wars at the same time mm. he was working on this, and he was probably working on Mandalorian to some extent too.
1: That's true. So That's he, true. so
0: he's he's got three of these projects on his plate. Disney's pushing him to to be more. They're 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 you know probably looking at at moving him up in the company or at least having more influence mm. on the product. So um, you know he might have been more hands off on this one.
1: Sure, sure. Um, the art style is something that's quite high in high in uh, contention as well. Like a lot of people have been debating whether the art style's nice, whether it's bad. Um, what about you, Fuel? What What do you think of the art style? How How do you like it or dislike it?
3: Uh, I think it's nice to get something different. Uh, you know, we've had sort of that Clone Wars style, uh, sort of carried over to Rebels. Uh, you know, updated. Uh, I guess you could say, for Rebels um but uh it's nice to have something that's just sort of different yeah i know that uh i guess we're we're looking at a studio that did have some uh, part in doing the clone wars uh, previously um, as well as what uh, transformers prime and and tron uprising um but uh but i you know it's (laughs) i think one thing that's that stood out was that it looked uh remarkably better than i think the trailer looked i don't know if the trailer was using something that wasn't finished yet or if it was just that because it you know it was cutting so quickly it, it was hard to sort of get a grasp of how the scenes would flow but um you get different angles you know um i, I think the, the intro sequence itself has some cockpit shots that are almost film-like uh in in the way that they're you know the angles that you're seeing uh compared to to clone wars so it's nice to see something different Uh, i'm all for it
0: i um I, i i know i'm painting a picture here but i'm gonna fall on the other end of the spectrum on this one i am really not a fan of the art style and and one of my main reasons for that is it is in everything right now i loved the individuality uh the uniqueness of the art style in the clone wars and even more so rebels because i will mention it every freaking episode i have a massive fan boner for ralph mccrory's original art and it was all over the place in both of those series and um they went to this much more uh mediocre is a very harsh word but i I can't really think of anything else just this this very plain art style that um i am a very amateur um graphic designer I I work in blender I'm still learning and while I can't produce a full episode given enough time I could make a lot of the character models you're seeing in this show because all they're doing is it's a very base model it's it's uh it's blended down it and it's smoothed out you know probably smoothed layer two or three times and then it's applied a tune filter which is a pre-programmed cell shaded filter that you can just it's a one-click button and We are seeing this art style in a lot of shows right now. Um, Rooster Teeth, best known for uh, Red vs. Blue and also Ruby, hugely successful show. Their new show is called Genlock. And you should look at that trailer because to me, that trailer, that show looks exactly like Resistance. I could literally watch the two trailers back to back and having not seen either show, I wouldn't be able to tell where one started and the other ended, except for the fact that I think the dialogue in Genlock is better, is more mature. And I think this is, and, and then you look at Dragon Prince, which is a kind of a, a new out of nowhere runaway success on Netflix. And, and it's also got that exact same simplistic basic cartoon style with the blender tune filter over it. And it also is dealing with, with dark themes, with uh, stronger dialogue. And I think if, if this art style can be so easily replicated, on a much smaller budget by much smaller companies. I mean, Rooster teeth they, they they make dick jokes on YouTube for a living, and and they can make the show that looks just as good as Resistance. I, I I think Resistance really needed to step up its game. I think it needed to do something to stand out from the crowd, and and I think it was a mistake to move to such an easily replicable um, art style. Uh, and and I mean, you know, that's just me. I mean, I
1: think that you know in the marketing it said they wanted to go for a more like anime anime like styled uh show um i i i don't disagree with you saying that it's quite simplistic though i don't actually think it harms the animation style i think that i do quite like the, the clean crisp nature of it i'm not you know i don't really watch many cartoons really outside from star wars so for me this isn't like as big of a deal cuz obviously you're getting quite quite aggravated because you're seeing it in so many so many cartoons so i can understand from your perspective why you know you're like you're sick of this animation style you want to see something different for me this is this is different because i haven't actually you know seen much of anything use this art style uh, and i think some of the shots some of the shots that we're actually getting um looks look really great like i think some of you know some like the, the very beautiful i i actually am in favor of the bright color palette i i think it looks nice um, it's a bit, you know, in terms of the, um, the grey setting, yeah, you know, it's, it is what it is, but I think I like the bright colours, um, and I think that it works well for the show, and I think there are, like I said, I think there's been some really beautiful shots.
2: What if Resistance becomes better than Clone Wars and Rebels?
1: Resistance better than Clone Wars? Maybe. Like, I think, I, I genuinely, while I don't think it'll reach yet, it, I think it genuinely could have potential, especially if they go with uh, what I'm currently theorizing. So I'm, I'm going to go into this a bit, and I could be completely off base, and I'm probably going to have tons of comments uh, while well, I'm, I'm playing our podcast, get tons of comments, but, you know, uh, tons of comments saying how wrong I am and, you know, how I completely, like, misinterpret certain things. But hey-ho, let's go. You don't, you don't have to um, wait
0: for YouTube for that. I can tell you you're wrong right now.
1: <laughs> I mean, go for it, mate. Yeah, go for it. So I think that the First Order Spy could very well potentially be yiga um i think that I, there's just something about him i think that when you when you do a twist like this when you do cuz i'm i'm assuming it's going to be a twist i'm assuming that there's no point in sending this mysterious first order spy and then for it to be like completely like oh hey it's that character no you know well we worked that one out um and, and and when you do things like that it's generally someone that you see in like the first episode someone that you set off right from the start and i think that it would be nice for it to have some real emotional weight to kaz and i think as far as any character goes right now i think that yiga fits the bill for all of that um he's got like a a past you know a kind of like it's not like a, a shady past or anything like that but it's there's something going on you know he had a family he doesn't now he's why is he you know if he was one of the best pilots for the resistance why is he on this why is he on the colossus you know what happened there um you know wh- why why is um what was my point you know why is he not helping kaz with the with the spy and stuff you know uh, there could be very very good explanations for all these that that don't mean he's working for the first order however i just think that would be a really cool twist because if we see kaz really start to idolize uh yiga and you know obviously we 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 know from the first episode that he says, you know, the new re- New Republic's my way of life. It's all I know. And if if he he's, he's torn between his loyalty to to Yiga and his his um loyalty also to the mission and Poe and the new, new Republic. Um, and I think that could set up like a really really great like character building moment. Um, and I don't think for a second that if Yiga does turn out to be First Order, I don't think for a second that. He's is going to be like pure evil. I think there's going to be a very, very sympathetic reason as to why he's working for them, and I, I think that he'll definitely, you know, by the end of the the series, he'll definitely be like, yeah, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. He'll, he'll, he'll get away. Maybe he's even being forced into it, um, for some reason we don't know. But what do you guys think about my theory? Do you think I'm way off base, or do you think maybe I have a point? And what, what are your theories for the uh, the first Order Spy? Do you think we've, we've even seen them yet? Um yeah
0: well i um i was so geared up to tell you you were wrong you you know how that brings me such joy oh of course yeah um but no i i don't think you're wrong in in, in oh. fact if anything i well in shows like this it, in in a, in a whodunit classic whodunit you know there's a there's a spy situation um right I, it's always the least likely most likable one and uh uh Ye has the uh, uh was it yeager i yeah, I, I, yeah. I keep almost wanting to call him yeeter because i hate the internet and I, no. yeah it's bad but i keep <laughs> it's not good it's not good because i'm gonna accidentally say it at some point and i'm gonna hate That's myself even more than i already yeeter. do um but uh i i think it is eager at least in, in these situations it's always the likable friendly or at least the one you least suspect and that seems to be yeager in every possible way he's the old friendly uncle grumpy like lovable gruff has a dark history lost his family whatever like it, it all signs point to him being just likable enough to feel betrayed when he turns out to inevitably be the spy so i, I think it, it almost seems too obvious in that way maybe they mm. could maybe they could double back yep uh, um you know feel you feel i think you, you're going somewhere with this
3: oh no no i i I think you know let's get that that big theory out of the way so that we can move on to uh you know something else i i think (laughs) i i think this may be hopefully uh, right hoping hoping for nuance um that it's not so obvious but you know again kids are kids so uh this being a kids show you know perhaps it is i mean it's not like a, a fresh batch of kids changes you know what I mean like they start with the having seen the previous stories this is fresh to them so if it is that sort of tale of deception or master sort of deceiving you and you having to do the right thing despite you know that um you know then so be it that's that that may be the direction they go with it
1: yeah and, and I think it's only it's only you know ha, you know in inverted commas obvious to us because we're like we're you know older and we're, we're seasoned more cynical maybe of like certain characters i don't know but i think that you know we know the tropes more so maybe it's it's obvious to us maybe but not so much to like the target audience of the show um the, my, my my other theory of who it could be is actually the um i don't remember a name the the pilots the other pilot that's she um kaz races her in the first episode i believe to- toka I tona uh Tora, i think torah yeah that's it Tora, yeah my my reasoning for that isn't so much that we have any evidence so much, but I think as far as story potential goes, I think it could work. Um, because if you have um Kaz and Tora get you know get a little bit closer, you know throughout the throughout the season and become friends, because you know I can clearly see that happening, and then have her be revealed as the first order um spy. She's already a good pilot, we know this, and it could have it could have um Kaz someone's you know it could it could it could give Kaz a rival a first order rival when he gets into the more 'cause because i think that it's all gearing up to the fact that he will be flying x-wings again and you know hopefully on out on first order missions and i think this season is just setting everything up um and you know why while Yiga could be um Kaz's mentor we could see Ulrich the the red uh interceptor pilot be taura's mentor and and they could set up all sort of like drama with that and i think that could be actually pretty great to see um Vinny, what do you think? Well,
0: I, I think it's great that you went to her because thinking about it now, it would be awesome if she turned out to be mm. the spy because going into it, watching the trailers, I thought she was going to be the very typical um, overly upbeat anime kind of yiffy type character where it's just like, hey, it's going to be all right, guys. We're going to do it together. That was a good try. And instead, right. she turned out to have this very dark sense of humor and, 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 yes, and, and she yeah. turned out to actually be really kind of uh, sarcastic. And she she had that mm. upbeat attitude, but it was actually kind of dark. I, I really yeah. liked that. I liked that they um they kind of pulled the rug out from under us on her, her character, at least from the trailers. So for her to turn out to also be the spy, especially with you know these pressures, she's uh she's because she's the one whose father owns the whole. Face, right or am i getting that right? right yeah yeah no i think you're right yeah so that i, I think that would be great if, if she turned out to be the first order spy and, and turn out to give her a dark edge and training with this this red baron from the first order that'd be awesome
1: right and i'm not saying that she would be like evil you know i'd prefer if she wasn't i'd prefer if there was like a bit of conflict in there and you know we could see that get resolved over the course of the show but I, I think that i'm i'm actually in a little bit more favor of that now than than yiga being the uh sort
3: of a lost stars feel right
1: Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. The one thing I'm really scared about is there is a character who I think he's like he was like the second pilot on on that list, and I think I I heard that he was in one of like the behind the scenes, um, you know, about the cast and crew. Uh, there was something about him being like an ex-imperial uh, fighter, and he looks obviously quite sinister. Is he, is, if he he the, turns... is he
0: the Draco Malfoy wannabe?
1: No, no, that's yeah, the guy that's played by Elijah Wood. No, no, this is um. He's, like, an older guy. He's, like, he's, he's, he's bold. He's got no hair. Um, and he's, like, he was, like, second on the leaderboard of, like, the the pilots. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the don't... guy
0: who looked like the leader of Death Watch. Yeah.
1: Right, yeah. You don't actually see him in person. You just see him on the screen. And he, he has actually, like, an ex-Imperial uh, TIE Fighter pilot. If he turns out to be the spy, I will, like, I will smack my head against the desk repeatedly um, <laughs> until I can't see anything anymore because, yeah, I think that would just be, like, way too obvious. And I get it. It's a kid show, but it it still should have, like, some emotional pull. So here's hoping that's not the case, but um, we'll see. We'll I, see. I think
0: you're right. I think they would have introduced that character in the first episode. I think whoever the spy is, we've already seen them. I think it
1: makes too much sense. I, I don't like the fact that it, considering it is, like, this looming thing where, you know, yeah, where Kaz is, like, trying to find out who the spy is, you know, and he's he's trying to work on that, it it makes too much sense that they reveal it in the first episode and not have this, this character appear out of nowhere and be like, oh, yeah, well, that's obviously the spy. Um... Yeah, I don't know, what well, we'll see on that one. But I- I'm still hoping that it's going to be a character that's really going to like. It's gonna. It's you're going to feel the punch when when they do turn out to be the first order spy. Um. Yeah. Um. I I'm 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 interested in this Ulrich character. This 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 red uh, interceptor pilot. I I I think he's cool. We don't really know much about him yet, but he 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 just strikes me as like a cool character, and I I am really excited to like to like see him. Um, actually, like, be more in the story. He seems more like the Callus of the series, like, um, in terms of like the the villain that's actually going to be out on the, well, maybe not on, on the ground, but in the in the skies, maybe you know, the one that's actually going to get involved, get his hands dirty. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested in seeing more of him. I hope he actually does get a little bit of, like character development. Maybe not to the extent of Callus, because Callus actually did turn good, and I'm not so sure. Uh, we're going to get Ulrich to turn good, although I wouldn't be opposed to it, you know, I'm I'm, I'm always up for those redemption stories. Um, but we'll see. Um, I don't know, what do you guys think of Ulrich? Are, are you pretty on the fence about him? Do you not really think we know enough about him to get excited for him just yet? Phil, what do you think? Uh, I, I think
3: it's cool to see uh, a red tie fighter. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think, with the, I mean, just sort of uh, as an aside, I think it's interesting how in the uh, sort of Imperial world, I guess flying is sort of a skill, right? I mean, it's it's kind of like driving, uh, as it were, but piloting is, so, is sort of a skill. Um, but that in the Imperial uh, military, well, I guess that's the First Order, right? Uh, yeah. In the First Order, they're allowing them to sort of have their own uh, ships, uh, their own sort of uh, stamp on everything. Uh, yeah. I, I know Vader sort of had his stuff going, right? But um, you look at... Uh, at phasma and you look at uh this guy uh with his armor and uh at elric and, and his red tie fighter as well and they just sort of they, they're given leeway so it's like it's just interesting in that it's sort of more feudal more of a feudal leadership in in that they they're allowed to have that sort of uh, autonomy uh in in their military ranks I, right I and it was pretty it's also
1: um, been revealed to like have like a a gold stone a gold and black armored stormtrooper as well um that, that he's not hes not actually appeared in any of the episodes yet, but he has actually been, um, like, revealed to be a character in the show. So you're right, we it seems to be, like, the officers, the, the Stormtrooper officers get their, or at least captains, get their own kind of, like, flair, uh, their own kind of, like, uh, distinct yeah, appearance. Yeah,
3: it, it, it's pretty neat, uh, you know, the, the, even if their ships are, uh, you know, uh, the same model or whatever, that they would be, you know... Uh, customized or or anything like that and it's interesting because i don't know that that existed sort of in the uh, the old imperial navy and um and in in this one they're sort of allowed to have their own um it it really it reminds me more of like you know back in the day like uh, feudal sort of systems where you had lords of areas where Mm. they sort of were given free reign of the area and they had well actually
1: isn't isn't um ulric isn't he described isn't he a i could be completely wrong but isn't he like a baron like isn't he baron ulric something or other i could be completely wrong about that but
3: yeah so that that would fall in line you know what i mean like definitely yeah um and and it kind of goes back to the old eu books too where you had uh you know post sort of return of the jedi you had uh different imperial factions where you know guys had their uh you know (laughs) their old star destroyers and stuff and sort of decked out and and made for luxury or whatever but they still Mm. had their little squadrons and all that stuff it's just really interesting sort of deep lore stuff but uh sure Vinny, what are you feeling
0: i think you're absolutely right and what i was going to bring up and it's really funny we this this one word seems to keep coming up in the old expand in the old expanded universe for the for the original canon baron fell um was considered the red baron he was considered the the most ruthless and, and lethal of the imperial pilots ah. and he was leader of a personal uh elite fighter squadron called the 181st fighter wing and they had bright red long blood stripes on their tie interceptors interesting yeah is this is starting to sound a little familiar definitely <laughs> yeah it's uh it, it's definitely giving that vibe to me um so yeah and and, and like you said in the in the old canon there was a lot more ship customization that went on um, when Rogue Squadron uh, left the New Republic, so they could secretly go take back Coruscant. They each pilot got to customize their own X-wing and go crazy on it. So, yeah, they 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 they, they went bonkers on the the custom paint jobs in in the old EU, which I loved personally. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think you're right about the Baron title. I think that he's drawing a lot of influence from Baron Fell um, from the old canon, right down to the the red custom interceptor. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of influence there for sure. Definitely.
3: Yeah. And, and I think it takes me back to just sort of that, you know, childhood imagination where, you know, again, going back to just sort of the mundaneness of the racing area, even, you know, they, they may be spaceships or race ships. I don't know if there's a distinction sort of for what they're piloting (laughs) right now. Um, but the customization side of stuff in the star Wars universe, um, I could always I, I will mention it any chance I get, but Star Wars Galaxies, the old game, you know, just the the level of yes. detail, you know, you 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 upgrade your you know your your lasers, you upgrade your your missiles, your shields, your hyperdrive, your you know everything. So just that sort of imagination that it brings to the table, uh, I love it. I love it. That's what when I when I refer to the setting of the show, that's kind of what I mean.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely hear you. It, it 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 it's kind of funny. You're absolutely right. At first, I, I was looking at it and I was just like, oh, these are like uglies, but less creative. And now I look at it more and I see these more personal touches. Like one of the ships I know has uh, uh has the Naboo uh crest on it, and and each ship has a little bit of, of personality to it and, and and touches. So they're not just uglies. They're person personal built. They're they they yeah. are unique and they have the spirit of the the pilot in them. and and, and yeah, they, they kind of won me over a little bit. almost
1: like almost like pod racing actually yeah
0: like yeah absolutely there's a lot of similarities to pod racer and i was gonna bring this up earlier um oh. i know a lot of people uh talk about the original uh, episode one racer game for n64 which everyone played it was great there was a sequel um called racer revenge for ps2 that was yes, incredibly i played that yeah. incredibly underrated yes, incredibly underrated really fun it was um, great oh yeah and and the settings for that were fantastic like there was one where you're like flying through the lava under the planet of Sulla. oh uh, yeah and then there's yeah. one where you're where you're in 0g underwater in Moncal I think it was and i i'd love for this racing setting to have those crazy settings in uh like we saw in the pod racing games that'd be awesome
3: mm yeah, if they like had a season or something, you know what I mean, like a racing circuit. As yes, yes. Um, if they, you know, if that were part of it, because I, I don't know what direction they're going. You know, being Star Wars Resistance, you know, does he, does he start gathering pilots there where he's at that sort of join his cause, or is, you know, are are some of them already secret resistance members, and you know what I mean? All of that is sort of left to left out in the open, obviously at this point. But yeah, uh, maybe
1: maybe art. Because uh, one thing I do actually like about it so far is he's not you know i was really expecting him to like first episode he'll he'll like prove himself as like an ace pilot and he'll instantly become one of them i'm glad they've not gone that route i'm glad they've they've given him like a little bit of like you know more of like a mechanic role for now but then obviously you know he's he's a skilled pilot he's going to he's going to get his chance to fly in fly in a ship and 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 prove himself worthy as as a as a great pilot um but yeah no i could totally see that like him maybe even like his 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 arc over the course of of the the show being like becoming this um Uh, this leader of, like, uh, his own squadron, you know, with with the pilots from the Colossus, he can actually, uh, you know, manage his own squadron and and take the fight to the First Order, and that could be the Resistance.
3: Uh, I I totally agree, because you have a character that's sort of coming from a place of, like you know he i mean he i wouldn't say luxury but right he he was sort of his father had plans for him as it were right and, and he's stuck... thing i did
1: actually like about the show i, I like that we were getting a little bit about um his backstory and his father and and i like the fact that he wasn't just from this kind of like this old um you know the classic kind of farm boy
3: um, yeah or, or really bad circumstances like right, you know, exactly, just yeah doesn't know the, you know where he comes from and all of that He's, he's from a quite privileged right uh, background. right he's coming from a place where he had uh, other options and so you know it, for his character to sort of take this uh, you know at, at first he may have just sort of joined Poe's cause just for the sort of you know the the allure and um, like a rebellion against his father who like right. I mean that that's that is
1: actually why he you know I mean okay he was interested in it beforehand but you can clearly see him make up his mind when his, you know when his his, his father's like you know uh, I provided everything for you and and it's almost like a a rebellion thing which is quite like a, a not necessarily the wrong thing to do but it's quite like a, a juvenile uh, childish you know reason to to join a a militia group so i'm hoping that you know we actually see him take it start to take it like more seriously as the season like progresses and be like no, this is actually for a cause. I want to fight for this. um, And so on and so forth.
0: I thought thought it was great that his background wasn't just came from nothing, nowhere, dirt, poor, farmer, slave, whatever, that had it fall into their lap, that fate conspired to bring this person here. I'm really glad they didn't go with it. He has drive yes he gets shot down easily i thought it was a little bit silly that he had that moment of man i can't do anything right like crisis of confidence barely two episodes in but (laughs) but overall i I thought it was really good that he's a character who knows what he wants stepped up went for it and didn't have fate have to or the force have to hand it to him on a silver platter like here's the millennium falcon here's your father's lightsaber here's (laughs) the only guy in the entire universe who knows your family backstory and will guide you to like no no he's like i want to be a pilot Dad, piss off. I, I want this. Yeah. I want to be want part in my of the own, resistance. My life. I like that yeah. a lot. Speaking of his dad, um, during the conversation with his dad, they went out of their way to kind of scramble him, and Poe was just like, we have to scramble the message, and so you conveniently yeah. can't see his dad. And I, I thought that was kind of weird. I felt if, Me too. if the dad isn't an important character, then they would have just given us a generic looking dude who just looks like him, but older, I guess. But being hidden, maybe they're going out of their way to say that this is going to be a reveal later.
1: Yeah, I almost I almost agree with you because um that was my initial impression when they were like, oh, we're gonna have to scramble a signal because you you, gener- you he, they did they didn't have to do that. Do you know what I mean? They didn't have to scramble what he looked like, which does lead to be, lead me to believe that there is a little bit of um you know. But then I I heard the guy's voice and obviously I'm assuming he has the same surname as his as his son, which is uh Giono right or Ziono, something like that um and I, I can't really think of who that could possibly be like that that was what was was stuck in in my head like i couldn't think who it could be so i don't know does anyone have any ideas does anyone have any crack theories of of who Taz's dad could be
0: man i don't know i i am thinking about that last name um so... Ezra D- <laughs> Ezra if Ezra there it is, had a we real did it. Change we cracked the voice, case
1: maybe I would be down with that. I but. I
0: it would be really cool. I I think it would be really cool. It just I don't think it really fits Ezra's character because his dad comes off as a tight ass. He's just like a, Well, he's a
1: senator. He's a senator. Yeah, so. and,
0: and and I feel like Ezra would be like, "You bet, son. Go on your adventure. Go hop in that ship and 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 grab yourself a girl and 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 go racing." And I I feel like Ezra if he were a dad would be cooler for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um but I don't know. I, I really don't know, unless it's his, his dad, because obviously we saw in if anyone's read Bloodlines, there was a very interesting thing about like certain senators were actually like sparring against the New Republic and they were like funneling money into the First Order. I don't know. I don't know why they'd feel the need to hide the appearance of his dad. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't know either. But I,
0: the New Republic um, is but... an official organization. They they have big bright blue logos on all their sh- stuff. I I don't. I really don't know why they would need to hide that
1: yeah unless he like feels the need to like get dressed up in his first order uh, appearance and he was like oh damn you know
3: your dad actually asked us to scramble this <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> we don't know why we don't we didn't need to but he was, he was we heard it we heard a young woman's
0: it. voice in the background she seemed to be giggling we don't know it was weird
1: <laughs> maybe maybe that's, that's all that happened um but I don't know yeah i, I did find it a little bit strange that that his uh, appearance was scrambled
3: you know what I thought was interesting and this is just sort of random um had occurred to me um you know his father at least right now doesn't seem to be anybody from the universe or the established canon that we know right um so hopefully it's not anything like force related or anything like that you know what i mean um but but going back to the show i I thought what was interesting um you know this guy uh i think there's some references like i don't know where i read it that said you know they may or may not have the force right um that's of course everybody right in the galaxy Um, but there was one small uh small part there where um in the second episode where the neomodian is about to take off and he's talking into his little recorder and he drops it into that crack uh, in the hangar and uh and you know kaz goes to reach down to pick it up and You know, he's trying to reach because he has to grab it really quick so that they don't see him grabbing it. And then the droid—I think that's what it is, right? So they don't see him grabbing it. Yeah, BB-8. BB- yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and and so uh, BB-8, I think it's BB-8. Yeah, right. Uh, reaches down and grabs it for him, and that's sort of that spot where you know traditionally perhaps uh, a Force character might. Just I was sort of, so expecting them to like know, use the Force and like, yeah, force it to himself, but yeah. you had the droid sort of jumping in and doing it for him. So right, hopefully, exactly. you know, he doesn't have Force powers later on. Um, bb Yeah, is not Force-sensitive, but is his sort of, you know what I mean, that um, that foil for those situations. Right,
1: yeah, yeah, I think I, think I can see that. Um, does anyone else, before we move on, because we're running a little bit, like, over here. Um, so before we move on to the next topic, does anyone else have anything to say about Resistance? Or I
0: have something extremely minor and probably banal, but... Um, I, I, I knew this show was going to be a, a kind of a feast for people who are big into the ships and there were going to be a lot of obscure ship references. So if, if we do make this a regular thing, I am going to be on Obscure Expanding Universe Ship Watch. <laughs> um, I did notice that, I, I know, I've noticed that you guys are kind of some of the older school Star Wars gamers. Um, if you remember the leader of the pirates that attacked, um, the main guy, I took a good look at his ship. The cockpit was a Lambda shuttle but oh okay but the back half the, the the majority of the ship the fuselage and the wings do you remember from the old tie fighter x-wing games something called the alpha star wing it might you might have known it as the imperial gunship um it, it's kind of an obscure favorite of a lot of people like the ships it was that so I, oh. I really really hope that that's bringing that into the new canon and if it is then you know this show could be a great funnel Uh, to bring all of these other ships and beloved designs, you know, score ships like the the Hound's Tooth, um, into the new canon. I think that'd be awesome, and I think that's kind of a a very small ancillary. Like it would be smooth fan service. It's it's fan service. It's not in your face.
3: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you know what? This show, if if one thing has me sort of positive about it, um, you know, I I I certainly I it's certainly i obviously said i liked it but i think what this really does is it sort of really gets me in a, a feeling positive about uh, the mandalorian um again going to film um but we got some of it in han solo uh with you know the uh the Sabac uh, the Sabac uh scenes um you know that sort of seedy underworld, um, where you get sort of some of the so some of the more nuanced in-universe details that we got back in the EU books that you might catch, you know, in an offhand sentence here or there in one of the books, uh, that sort of stuff being brought, you know, onto screen. So, uh, I think it's really really cool from that side of things.
1: Right, definitely. So Neilan, after after hearing us uh, go on and on about Resistance, do you think it's going to be a show that you're going to check out, or do you think maybe? You know you're gonna be like maybe nah, this isn't for me. Yeah, uh, <coughs> I think I'll check it out, but not at the mm.
2: moment. The way you guys make it sound, the way you guys make it sound like doesn't like make it sound urgent right. to watch. I got other shows to watch on my plate currently, but yeah, um, I mean I was always gonna watch the show. It was just a matter of when. But uh, I think
1: I made my decision probably when the first season. Finishes, yeah, I mean that's what I did with Rebels, and I think it definitely worked in his favor. Um, so we will be doing reviews um, for Resistance as like a separate a separate show. Uh, so stay tuned for that if you want to hear like more like in depth um, thoughts about the actual episodes and the plot of episodes. We will be doing that. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned. So uh, so Vinny, you have some news for us today about a certain author. Um, do you want to do you want to explain a little bit more about that? It,
0: thank you. I would love to. It is a great day for all Star Wars fans. The quote-unquote author Chuck Wendig has officially been fired from all uh, Disney productions. That includes both Marvel and Lucasfilm Limited. He uh, he got the message today from his editor over at Marvel, uh, where he was doing some work on a couple comics, that his tweets had become, quote, too vulgar, um, and that he was being let go from not just Marvel, but also LFL, which would be his Star Wars projects he apparently had a second run on the vader comic planned uh called shadow of vader and he had another unannounced book planned which i didn't even know i don't think anyone had even announced that yet um for those who don't know chuck wendig did the uh aftermath trilogy which i'm not speaking for everyone but just a, a general consensus seemed to be it was perceived very poorly i personally did not like it um he also uh made the news when he did a run for the vader comic and he screwed with the canon uh quite a bit uh ran over some other rogue one content and um but he's best known for his rants on twitter he has a very very strong political voice hyper liberal left-leaning and um he does not take to criticism well uh at all uh a lot of people who read his books and went wow these books aren't very good uh, he generally responded by saying uh, that, "Hey, don't get mad at me for including, uh, you know, more progressive characters in my books—gay uh, characters, bi characters, uh, non-binary uh, gender characters—and uh, it always seemed to me that w- that wasn't our problem with you, Mister Wendegger. Problem was that your books aren't very good."
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't see anyone complaining about the last shot when they uh, when uh what was, what was the author's name for the last shot uh. Jose... Jose Alda, was it? Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and you're at... Yeah. That's where I was going to go next, the non-binary gender pilot.
1: Right, and I didn't see... I haven't seen anyone, you know, massively complain about the... that... you know, that story, so... I don't think it comes down to these these progressive characters coming into the mix. I, I think it it comes down to the the story being badly written.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. And um and and I'm going to use he just because the audiobook that I read it was voiced by a guy. Um so that's what, okay, he looked male in my head. But sure. that non-binary gender character, I thought he was very cool. He um he saved Han and Lando multiple times. He turned out hmm. to be uh, this badass secret New Republic agent. I thought it, it was very cool. And I, uh, it was never my problem. And I, so Chuck Wendig, then when he was, uh, fired from Lucasfilm, he went to the Twitter verse and said, this is a victory for the bullies. This is a victory for the bad guys everywhere. And, uh, just went on and on. And, um, as, as we like to say in sports, he didn't just take the L, <laughs> you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think this is a, a very good step for the, for the, uh, the fandom at large. Cause I, I think he was very toxic um i i just for context i am openly bi i have been for quite some time and i really didn't like uh what he would do i thought he was using his usage of gay bi and queer characters as a defense almost as a weapon he had weaponized it to defend otherwise not great writing and i kind of was offended by that and,
1: and... right that's that's what always come across to me like he was like you know he couldn't admit that his own stories maybe weren't being well received so it had to be It had to be for some other reasons than than what, you know, people were actually complaining for, which was the quality of the story. And and, and
0: don't get me wrong, there is definitely a a right, uh, maybe right wing is the wrong term, but an anti-progressive, anti-SJW uh, feeling among star wars fans you're seeing it a lot in star wars they attacked kelly marie tran they attacked daisy ridley they both actresses had to go completely dark on social media because of it um right that um, you know they're they're you know they talk a lot about they upset about holdo's character from the last jedi and the last jedi in, in general so i'm not saying that element isn't there but that's that's not what happened here i i think this is the case right. of, a, of a bad author getting called out and taking criticism exceptionally poorly and uh, I think the Star Wars-verse is better off without him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't say, like, I I can't say I'm, like, you know, I I never like to see anyone out of a job, unless they've done something truly, truly, like, nasty, And, and, you know, maybe you could debate that he did. I don't, you know, I don't think it was, like, it's not what I quite call as, like, me being, hey, I'm really glad this guy isn't in a job, but, you know, as far as, like, did, you know, did he maybe deserve to be fired? I think yes, um, you've got to be very, very, I mean, you know, we are living in a day and age where you have got to be very careful what you put on social media. And if he's, you know, basically, you know, calling out the the fans and the consumers of, of Star Wars products and and, you know, and not unable to take criticism, you know, constructively, then... It's a dangerous thing, you know, and and I can see why it led to his firing. As much as you know, it's it's sad to see him out of a job, and I I you know at the end of the day I, I do wish him well. Um, probably deserved um to be let go. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, what about you, Fuel? Do you, what, what's your thoughts on it?
3: Honestly, uh, I don't know enough about the situation to comment. <laughs> hmm. Um, I, 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 know that, uh, I did read, you know, uh, the first aftermath book and, uh, I didn't get all the way through it. Uh, i got about three quarters of the way it was it was tough to read uh, and i'm not usually one to criticize that sort of thing i'll be like uh, i'll give it poetic license right right, like, right. yeah this is intended you know and uh, but it just didn't capture my attention enough uh, to finish all the way through but that aside uh, i don't know enough of the situation honestly to sort of comment uh, i didn't see or I wasn't in tune to the negative uh, comments that he got online, or that he had, you know, returned in favor. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not sure to enough to comment, to be honest.
1: Sure, sure. And uh, Neilan, what about you? Do you have any thoughts on this map? Uh I never read any of the aftermath books, but um, I've
2: read a lot of Chuck's tweets, and oh my God, like Jesus Christ, he makes he <laughs> makes the Last Jedi defenders look bad. He's just, mm. it's its just annoying to see people act like this. I mean, this is guy's a grown adult. I mean, I expect, right. I expect more. He's kind of a jerk. He's an asshole, let's be real here. So, <laughs> um, I'm not really sympathetic for him for getting fired. I mean, I think maybe he should have been, I don't know, maybe he should have been warned. Like, I don't know if he was ever given a warning by the higher-ups. We
1: don't know if he, if he wasn't, to be fair. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I
2: hope, like... If he was, then like I have no sympathy for him getting fired. Yeah. But yeah, if he yeah. wasn't, then I'm like, okay, not a warning would have helped because I think I I still I think Chuck could have um, gotten a second chance basically if he was mm. warned. But that's all I can mm. say about the subject.
0: Uh, if, if we're going st- and, and you're right I, I we don't know what the background talks were we don't know who said what leading up to this I mean he has a very long history of these you know political you know very aggressive posts and I I myself am left-leaning so I I'm, I'm not attacking this guy at all if anything I would I would under normal circumstances probably agree with his political affiliations but he just went about it just a completely wrong way for a very long time Um and just to give you some context, no spin, no opinions. This is just what happened. Marvel said we're firing you because your tweets are vulgar. Those were the exact words. Your your tweets mm. are too vulgar, and I'm going to quote to you one of his tweets. This is this is an actual tweet that was posted by author Chuck Wendig. Um, the, I, I'm working very blue here, so put the kids to bed, cover your ears. His his tweet was winter is coming you callous fucknecks you prolapsed assholes you grotesque monsters you racists and rapists and wretched abusers you vengeful petty horrors that's 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 just one of a slew of examples Uh, i mean a lot of his tweets read like that and, and regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of, of where on the spectrum you fall, you know, when you've got a product like Marvel, when you've got a product like Star Wars that's aimed at five-year-olds, eight-year-olds, little girls, little Two boys. Two of the
1: biggest franchises in the yeah, world. Yeah, absolutely. Like, let's, let's
0: absolutely. And, and, and they're aimed at kids, you know, for the most part, if yeah. not entirely. Yeah. And they're going to go like, hey, I really like this book from this guy. I'm going to see what he has to say. And he goes on the internet and reads that.
1: <laughs> right, like. which I mean, in fairness, I'm, I'm and I'm not, you know, it's certainly the way he goes about it. I'm not, you know, I'm not in agreement with that. But there have been other Star Wars authors, uh, and you know, I think Pablo Hidalgo is one of them. You know, he he's, he's very political on Twitter. I think, um, so he's not the only one that gets a little bit political on Twitter. And I don't think that you know, you know, censoring um certain people's just because they belong to a certain to a certain company and franchise, you know, completely censoring their political. Um, thoughts and, and beliefs and stuff like that, but it's there is a way to go about it, and Chuck Wendig clearly wasn't going away about it the right way. No, so. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, at the end of the day, I think that it was coming. It was probably coming for a long time. Um, we don't know. I, I hope he was warned. I hope he, you know, at least got that, you know, if you do this again, there's going to be problems, and if he didn't listen to that, then... What can you really say about the matter? I mean, <laughs> there's there's not much else to be said, but yeah. Um, well, we won't get an aftermath sequel. Well, we wouldn't get, but we'll get no more books in the in the same writing style as aftermath. So, I mean, maybe maybe some fans will be happy about that <laughs> if, yeah. if if if, like, if nothing let else. Me, let me go
0: get my tiny violin. <laughs> yeah,
1: completely. Um, but I think you know, I think that wraps up the show. Um, if you have any thoughts on any of the topics we discussed, you know be it Man- the Mandalorian, be it resistance, be it Chuck weix firing, if you have any thoughts about that, please comment them in the comment section or the reddit post um and you know if you have any questions for us to answer on next week's next week's episode, you know please please do the same, please post them in the comment section, please post them on the reddit, we will answer them, and um you'll get a little bit of credit as well for that um so fuel, do you want to Go ahead and close out and give the audience our coordinates.
3: I will give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. If you liked what you heard, hop a lift down to level thirteen thirteen, the seedy underbelly of the internet known as Reddit. Uh you can find us on R slash Star Wars Speculation. Be sure to check us out on YouTube as Kessel Fun Podcast, where you can subscribe to us and click the little bell to be first to know when the new episodes are up. And, uh, you know, if you enjoyed the episode, feel free to, uh, to give us a like, or you will give us a like. Uh, we're also available on SoundCloud, Pocket Cast, and iTunes as Kessel Fun Podcast. If you have questions for us or topics you'd like for us to hear uh, about or uh, cover on the show, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Kessel Fun. See you around, kid.